Welcome back to episode eight of Getting Hard. I hope I'm correct. We both, right as the music was playing, are doing hand signals at each other to remember. It's definitely eight. I remember. I thought it was a gang signal. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I just said yes. I was scared. And if you don't recognize that voice, then where have you been these past seven weeks? Uh, That's my co-host, DJ. DJ, how are you doing today? Hey, Dan. I'm feeling really good. I've had a day off, so well rested. Yeah, we're uh, we're in the studio a lot earlier. This is mid-afternoon. We both had the day off, so we thought, let's just get in here and get it over with. Yeah, the sun is up. Pretty excited. Yeah, Yeah, so we're uh, we're pretty keen to get into it. Uh, A little bit of... Quick housekeeping, I suppose. If you haven't seen it in the feed, it's the exact same feed. This one comes in. The new fantasy podcast is out. Listen to it this morning. Uh, really enjoyed it. Great, great thing. I hope that we just keep building on that. And uh, uh, James and Lewis, they're. I, I think they. I think they'll do well. I, I enjoyed it, and uh, we'll, I enjoyed we'll it too. It yeah. James is hate of OBJ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> much like must be speaking to must be in the name James. Yeah, no, it's yeah. definitely those two. Uh, <laughs> But I thought it was great. They got stuck in really early, straight away into picking draft picks. So people that want fantasy football stuff, I think that um, it's really, really good um, hour of talk. It was awesome. Yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, Considering I kind of figured, you know, for this first episode, they'd kind of go with introductions. They did two minutes of introductions and then just straight (laughs) into it. Which is awesome. Good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. it. Good job, boys. Other than that, you know, like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, If you want to support us always welcome to sign up to our patreon at patreon.com backslash the vault studio uh five bucks a month us you know two two coffees gets you an extra podcast and um you know supports supports what we're doing here if you enjoy this or uh, a large mocha soy at the goldilocks in no, no that's completely true yes that's two <laughs> normal coffees one and a, like what three-fourths of a fancy <laughs> double pump something Yes. So, yeah, that's that's about it. I think we'll just kind of jump right into it. That's it. Let's get started. We're looking at 2008 Dallas Cowboys. Quick uh, overview on 2007, uh, they went 13-3, and three. they qualified for the playoffs, and they lost to your New York Giants, who went on to win the Super Bowl that year. Yes, they did. And 13-3, and three, that's a fantastic season. So as, as you can expect, going into this, like first episode, that's all they talk about is we have big expectations for this team. Like, mm-hmm. in their opinion, they had built on top of what was better. And what was the good of the team? And they're going to be better. And They were a very good team in 2007. Yep. Not as good as the Giants ended up being. But no. a very good team nonetheless. <laughs> I was very nervous during that um, that playoff game. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that was a... I. That was a really good playoff that year. The 2008, uh, 2007 was 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 a good year for playoffs. Coaches that we're going to look at this year, just a quick quick coach update, I suppose. So we've got uh, Wade Phillips was head coach. This was his second season. Um, so to come in and go thirteen and three is just massive. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, obviously the last coach has kind of built up a team for you to come in and go thirteen three, but it still <laughs> says something about you as a coach too. Yeah, and the players really respect him. Oh, and yeah. Jerry really respects him as well. So yes. he obviously straight away won and earned the trust of everybody. Yep, definitely. Thirteen and three will do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 
Um, and then the other key one is 2002, we had Dave Campo as head coach. He was back this year. This is the year he came back, and he was a, a D-backs coach. And, you know, he talks about he is a Dallas Cowboy. He's excited to be back, even if it's not the head coaching position. He's still happy to be back. That was kind of an interesting dynamic. They kind of touched on it, not, not a ton. And then we've got um, the other key one to look at is Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator. I mean, he's the current head the coach. The current head coach, yeah. Um, and that's kind of what Jerry does is even throughout this, he kind of, you know, he's pushing Jason knowing that Jason's, he's already kind of, yeah, I want Jason to be the next guy in line. And then it wasn't just Jason. They're all three of the Garrett all brothers. All Garrett brothers. Are yeah. there. So uh, was it John, John and... Another one. John was the um, tight end coach. Tight end coach, and then the other one I can't Grant remember. Grant or Greg, something like that. He was a player personnel director. Yep. So, you know, a bit a bit of um, a family organization going. And they all on went there. to Princeton. They did all go to Princeton, and actually, we can touch on that next week. Yeah. About why they went to Princeton, and then the other one to look at is uh, we'll we'll talk about next week is Brian Stewart, the defensive coordinator. Yeah. So you know. The, the, a less known name, but he was still a, a pretty decent coach. I think we'll we'll just quick touch on the draft picks. Yeah. So uh, in the first round, they chose Felix Jones, running back out of Air, um, Arkansas. And then also in the first round, so they had picked 22 and 25. Um, they picked uh, Mike Jenkins, a cornerback from South Florida. In the second round, they got Martellus Bennett from Texas A&M. He's a tight end. Uh, the fourth round, Tashard Choice, a running back out of Georgia Tech. And then the fifth uh, the fifth round, they had Orlando Scandrick, a cornerback out of Boise State. And then in the sixth round, they picked Eric Walden, a defensive end out of Middle Tennessee, who we'll just say straight up, we never see, and he doesn't <laughs> make the roster. So. No, we don't hear him either. No. The other... We at least hear Choice or read his name or yep. hear Scandrick. Yep. You don't, we don't see Choice or Scandrick at all. We hear them being yelled at, yelled at <laughs> but we don't, we don't see them. So Felix, Jenkins, and Bennett are all featured in this. Um We'll just we'll jump right in episode one. Yeah, cool. Might be um, worthwhile mentions that on this team currently this year we've got uh, six Pro Bowlers: Flo's Adams yep. as the offensive tackle, Leonard Davis as the guard, Andre Garode, who we mentioned in two thousand and two as a center. He was drafted in that year. Uh, Jay Radcliffe, which is an, a defensive tackle, Demarcus Ware, the line as, as an outside linebacker, Jason Witten as tight end. So that's how we as the people coming in this year as Pro Bowlers. So, episode one, probably one of the biggest things from the entire series was Terrell Owens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Terrell Owens. I know every week we say, if you haven't heard of Terrell Owens, if you haven't heard of Emmett Smith, <laughs> if you haven't heard of Ray Lewis, yeah. then you don't know what you're talking about yeah. or you haven't heard of football. I'm going to go ahead and say it again. If you haven't heard of Terrell Owens or Tio, yep, then you haven't been watching football in the 2000s. Yep. So, Terrell Owens is a wide receiver, number 81. He is a Hall of Famer as of this year. Yes. And he... Start, the whole episode starts with Terrell Owens running topless on the beach. With him running, he's a very fit bloke. Oh, yeah. Um, and they straight away jump into him running on the beach. He's very fit. And they go, oh, I like this bloke. Because um, I actually forgot what he looked like. <laughs> <laughs> and as he got, was getting closer and closer, I was like, oh, I know him. <laughs> um, which I should have known anyway from when I watched it last time. Uh, then they move to Jason Witten, who's a, who's a tight end who just retired. Um, and they obviously have him playing with his little kid. Um, then they move across to Wade Phillips, as we mentioned, 
Uh, it's his second year. They talked to him a little bit about how he feels the season's going to go, and he's really quite excited about the season and how he went last year and hoping to go one step further. We meet Martellus Bennett, as we mentioned. He was their third overall pick tight end, and he's a rookie. Now, I don't know about you. Martellus Bennett's hilarious. I actually really enjoyed him throughout. He was really funny, yeah. He was really entertaining, and he's like, he's really chill, and he's like, oh, I'm just going to go do my thing. He, you meet his dog? Yeah, you meet his dog, his adorable husky, but I liked the fact that they opened with him talking about hazing and about how, he knows how to, he knows how to handle it. He's just going to take it. He's going to take the Gandhi approach yep. and be like, oh, no, you threw me in the ice bath. This is really nice and relaxing. <laughs> yep. And I was <laughs> oh, thinking, you gave me a haircut. I needed a haircut already. Thanks, man. <laughs> very smart. Very smart. Yes. Yeah, so you don't see him getting haste. No. Finally, you only see uh, Felix Jones. Yep. It? Yeah. We'll yep. go on to that with obviously with the rest of this episode. So training camp was 1,500 miles away. So a very, very long way away. Uh, and obviously, everyone has a lodge. Now, this is some lovely place that they're at. Everyone has their own little like two-story lodge yeah. place on, on this entire campus. And it looks really nice. Uh, they move across after that. You see all the players moving in and waving at each other and going, Hey, man, I'm on the second floor. Where are you? And yeah. um, it's all kind of fun. I'm tomfoolery. Uh, Jerry Jones comes in front of all the players and says... There's five steps to selling something and everyone says that I'm good at selling something. So listen in. First, ask for the money. And I forget the other four. Yep. <laughs> so I thought that was actually a really nice icebreaker into how Jerry actually starts interacting with the players. Yep. You know, he addresses some of the more common um, thoughts and perceptions about him personally and then obviously makes fun of himself. Yep. So all the players straight away like him. He breaks the ice. It's really nice. Now, if you remember... From 2002, there was a young quarterback that got cut after he put his bags in his room before the first snap was, snap was taken. Yep. They've done it again. They've yes. dropped Terry Glenn, a wide receiver. Before, basically, he, he signed in and then he was asked to come see the coach and he got cut. So we don't see Terry Glenn at all. All we do is we hear his name. Yep. So he got cut straight away. Uh, then they go into the highlights of how they lost the postseason game versus the Giants. And they believe that it was because of a dropped pass from someone that we just met, number 84, Patrick Creighton. Yep. And just briefly with uh, Terry Glenn, the way that they cut him is uh, Jerry calls his agent and he's quite brutal with him, actually. Like one of the things that I saw throughout this series and what I kind of already knew is Jerry Jones is kind of old school Texan. He's very honest. And the agent says, you know, this isn't right. You're cutting him without even giving him a chance. And Jerry says, well, it's just how it is with the injury and all that. We're, we're just going to wave him and hopefully he gets it picked up by another team. If he doesn't, we might take another look at him. And the, the agent says, do you think he's going to get picked up by another team? And Jerry goes, no, I don't think he's going to get picked up by another team. <laughs> and then they cut to... <clears throat> yeah, then they, yeah, then they move on from there. Uh, which, I guess, it's kind of good when you see Jerry Jones interacting with agents and interacting with players. He is very honest. Yes, uh, so like you can see throughout the entire series, he actually explains to players what their cut means or what yep. their waving means. Uh, he builds a lot of good relationships with some of the players that we'll go through later on as well. So I'm actually gained a lot of respect from Jerry Jones from watching this season. Yep. Now, I haven't seen the newest All or Nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't comment on how he is. Obviously, this is 10 years on. Yep. So okay, we'll move on. 
So obviously, once again, I'll say it again, how the Giants beat um, Dallas in the postseason <laughs> game. They talked about that. So they actually yeah, they highlighted number 84, Patrick Creighton, who's a, who's a very um, productive wide receiver, and he missed a crossing route, which would have given them a first down and maybe put them within field goal range. And it, obviously, yep. the game could have changed, but it didn't, thankfully, for me. After you get introduced very briefly to Patrick Creighton, we get introduced to Adam P- Pac-Man Jones. So for people that don't know Adam Jones, he had um, come across from the Titans and he'd been suspended for 12 months, uh, obviously for, for violating the NFL player conduct policy. Yep. Then there was supposed to have been, you know, looked at three or four times after round seven or round 10 of the year before when it wasn't and hit um, Roger Goodall decided to keep going until this season, where he was just approved to go and do um, team activities such as training camp and preseason games. So we meet Adam Pacman Jones. All the coaches start talking about him, talking about how amazing he is. Um, they're really excited for him to play. And then they move into the fact that he can catch six balls in a row. Yep. Yeah, and hold on, a, on to six at once on a punt. On a punt, yeah. Yep. So holding like three in his hand, he catches a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. And they literally talk about this like three or four times during the episode. Yep. Uh, so obviously then Patrick Creighton has to match this. He's a wide receiver. He's a pretty fun personality. And he's like, man, I can do this. And you can see him fail the first time. And he basically every day of training camp for the first five days of training camp, he's spending most of his time trying to catch multiple punt balls. Yep. And he gets to six as well. Yeah, so that was a good news story for everyone involved. Uh, after the Pac-Man Jones introduction, we meet offensive coordinator Jason Garrett. So this is, as Dan mentioned before, Jerry Jones mentions that uh, that he, he thinks that it would be great for Jason Garrett to learn off Wade Phillips prior to Jason becoming a, sorry, a, a head coach. So yep. he thinks that he'll benefit a lot from being an offensive coordinator under uh, Wade Phillips. So, obviously, he obviously gives us an indication that he sees Jason Garrett as the future. Yep. But Wade Phillips is great. He's here now. They talk about how many of the coaches that he's coached against. Uh, they mention all, a whole lot of old names that he's coached against prior. He's in, he's from a whole family of coaches yes. um, back, you know. And you get to meet his dad, uh, Bum Phillips, who yep. was a coach uh, back, I don't know, 50 years ago. Yeah, so seventy, ago. the late 70s, early late uh, 80s. 80s. Yeah. Yeah, and he's a, nice, he's a good character as well. Uh, after we meet Jason Garrett, we move over and we meet Tank Johnson. So Tank Johnson, number 66, is a defensive tackle. So he's another one that has off-field and on-field behavioral difficulties. Yep. Uh, but he actually is a very productive defensive tackle. Uh, he's really excited that the Cowboys have given him a chance uh, to try and rectify some of the behavior problems that have happened in the past couple of years. Uh, and I'm really excited to watch Tank Johnson. Could be because of the name Tank. And last year, last episode's tanks were really good players as well. Yep, and he's a big boy, and he's quite good. he's quite fun to listen to. Yeah, fifty percent of uh, the seasons we've watched so far have had a player named Tank on. Them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good stat. Yeah, yeah. just also to... Dave Camp has been in fifty percent of the, That's the seasons. That's true as so well. Far. Yeah, yeah. Just for those keeping track. Just at for those home. keeping track. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, so Felix Jones, we get uh, we get an introduction to number one running uh, number one round so draft pick pick number twenty two. And he's, funny enough, holding out on his rookie contract like we found um, Debo do last season. And we find a lot of the rookie um, rookie people do hold out on their contract to ensure they get the proper signing bonus. And so then they come into camp. He came into camp three days late. 
and he ran into camp with a humongous grin on his face. He was really, really excited to play. And then when he did, he straight away ran into like a drill. Like he basically walked onto the field without any warming up and jumped into a drill. And he basically got drilled by a linebacker. Yep. Uh, which which is funny because he obviously was a, a like a three down back, but he wasn't so much of a blocking back. Because yes. in the the system that he came in, they played a lot of two and three man backfields with like Darren McFadden and a few of those other blokes that are really quite good. Yeah, uh, and so he wasn't probably used to taking on head on a linebacker. So they the coach talks about obviously we're going to have to talk about some technique, and we then get introduced to the fact that he's running behind Marion Barber. Oh yeah, Marion Barber is an out and out star. And you watch him obviously start trying to do some pass blocking as well. The funniest thing that I found this episode was they have a linebacker running at Marion Barber in a basic blocking drill. Yep. Marion Barber takes him off his feet, pancakes him. The, the linebacker was running at him and Barber was just standing there and pancakes him. Absolutely. Pan- decleats him. Yeah. Completely was, decleats a bloke. And he's just laying on the ground, like on his knees for like a good 30 seconds, just sitting there like... Oh, what did I just get hit by? Yeah, and Marion Barber's like, yeah, whatever, next. <laughs> he just walks away. <laughs> Felix Jones is like, ooh, yeah, man, he, he, he can hit. Yeah. Um, it, was really, it was really good to see that, actually, because I thought that was awesome, showing that technique makes, it makes a huge difference. Marion Barber's been a very long-term server of, um, of running back, so he knows what he's doing. Yep. But funny enough, we don't see much of Marion Barber after this. No, that's, that's almost it. That's pretty much yeah. it. We don't yeah. get to see much of Marion Barber at all, so they're more focusing on the rookies. Which we, we we see is kind of consistent with the rest of the hard knocks. Uh, after Marion Barber knocks the stuffing out of, I put down a note number fifty eight. I don't know who that is. Uh, Demarcus Ware, you know, comes and starts talking to Felix Jones, and they walk back to their rooms together. And one of the first instances we see of rookie hazing, he basically starts talking to him, standing next to one of the bedroom windows, and Pac Man Jones dumps a bin full of water on him. Yep, uh, it was a did, great shot. It was, it was a completely really on him. Like, yeah, really good shot. And it was, and Marcus Ware's like, oh, I thought he was just going to drop a pitcher, which is like a, like a, a pint instead of an entire bin. <laughs> so yeah. an entire bin full, which Felix Jones took really well. And it was all a little bit of fun. Uh, funny, like obviously, something that happened next was there was a 5.5 rated earthquake. Yep. That happened, which stopped training for the morning. Yeah. So after the earthquake, we get to watch Tio train. And God, it look, he looks good you get to see him do like do his weights and his, uh, his exercise routine as well as him doing his rat trees and his practice catching he does all of his wide receiver training drills god he looks really good he's going into his 13th season and he doesn't look like he's lost a step no he looks amazing uh they go through some of the to merchandise so he has a bunch of shirts that get sent in with boxes that says i train and on the back it says to win yep so to win I trained to win, and there was other ones which like was like, I practice. I practice. I, um, he's I made block, ones for the I, yeah. He's yeah. made ones for the linemen, which is like yeah. I sack, I, I tackle, I block. Yeah. Uh, so he's actually using his own his own uh, label yeah. as a training ter- tops and things like that, which looks pretty cool. Uh, after we watch Tio train, we get to be introduced to another one of the rookie free agents, Keon Lattimore. So Keon Lattimore is number thirty-five, and he's running back. And he's actually Ray Lewis's little brother. So Ray Lewis, the Hall of Famer linebacker out of the Ravens, as we talked about in our first set of episodes. Yep. He's actually his little brother. Yep. So we get and to see a little bit of Ray Lewis during this season. And you wouldn't 
have no trouble guessing he was because they are definitely related. They look very similar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Minus the size. There's a bit of a size difference, but he bit actually, his face yeah. looks very, very much like it's Ray Lewis. Yep. And you get to see Ray Lewis on the sideline yelling and giving him tips and things like that. Yep. And so Lattimore's come in. He's he, look, he's a very, very largely a fringe player because they've got running backs already. They've already they've drafted two running backs in the first five rounds of the draft. So you're thinking that Lattimore hasn't got that much of a chance. But they straight away talk about they like his speed. They like the way he attacks holes and all those sort of things. So you think, oh, look, he actually might be a chance. Yep. Okay, day eight of training camp. That's when Patrick Creighton, number 84, gets to catch the six balls and has the same with Pac-Man Jones. And everyone thinks that's hilarious. (laughs) Um, Then after this, they show how hot it is when they're training. So they have a slow-mo camera shot of all the players drinking water. Uh, and then they all go into the ice tubs to recuperate. Yep. Obviously, the ice tubs to help with is lactic acid buildup and things like that. Because yeah. they're doing two days every day. Yep. And that's exhausting. Even if you're not in the heat, that's exhausting. Imagine if you're actually going to be in like Texas heat. So they're in California. But yeah. Oh, they're in California. Oxnard, California. It's an hour outside of LA. Okay. Yep. 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 Oh, that's why there's so many cameras. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the first things we notice in this entire series season is that there are cameras and media everywhere players are getting filmed constantly players are getting interviewed constantly and it's just it's really just i imagine it's distracting yeah at one point they threw like a bottle of water on witten's face so his photos looked more rugged or more like he was sweating or (laughs) something like like, (laughs) which is ridiculous Um, so i think that's a little bit distracting um now after the the close-up water shots we meet our man mr tony romo We'll introduce where that comes from in a moment, but yes, Tony yeah. Romo. So Tony Romo, number nine. He's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so you see him signing autographs, other people talking about Tony and how much he's so focused. And even on off-season, he still wants to throw balls at every opportunity, every social event. He's bringing balls to things. When he went and played basketball to fill in, he'd bring a ball so they can throw balls across the stadium. Yeah. And so he, he's he's so focused yeah, on Witten's winning. like, he'll come to basketball just casual basketball and bring a football and in between plays who want to throw a football around and i'm like it's the off season i'm not catching anything like yeah, stop throwing to yeah, me throw it to yeah, someone else yeah. <laughs> and that's what patrick creighton actually he's quite he's that he hates to lose more than he loves to win yep and that's what motivates him which he actually thinks is pretty cool after this we get to see dave campo and his new relationship with all the defensive backs Yep. So defensive backs that we get to meet are, you know, um, Roy Williams, who in 2002 was the number one draft pick that we met when we did our previous episode. And obviously there's a few other DBs there that we'll be introduced to later. But he starts to make, obviously, relationships with these people. And then they have some random high five in the middle where they all slide. And as they slide, one of the blokes pulls down the coach's pants. Yep. <laughs> so yes. they put all their hands in. DB slide and they all slide and then Coach Campo has his pants down on his ankles and he goes, oh, come on, guys. You guys don't know I don't know don't wear underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because then after this, we see Wade Phillips and Wade Phillips made this announcement at training. You know, I don't have a lot of rules, but at Coach Campo's request, I'm, uh, I'm making a rule that you can't pull the coach's pants down anymore. So... <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> So Wade Phillips made a new rule, which I think obviously was taking the piss. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was very entertaining. And poor old Camper, he took it really well. He just laughed and went on, with his, went on with his job. Yep. One of the notes I put down here was that Wade Phillips 
was wearing a horrendous yellow checkered shirt. Like I just couldn't. I was distracted. Yeah. Feels like I get distracted by all the different fashion things throughout the seasons. It's true. You do seem to get distracted by that sort of stuff. <laughs> and I miss a whole bunch of things that go on at the same time. But yeah, so he's wearing this horrendous yellow shirt. Uh, and then he goes into explaining that the way that he coaches, he coaches teams in the preseason so then they, they're ready for the season. So he doesn't do too much hitting. No. Uh, so this year he has camp marshmallow, as he calls it, which means that the players only play thud. They don't actually hit each other full contact unless it's a scrim, a proper scrimmage. Yep. Which Just, some of the players like. Yeah, some like and some don't. If I was a player, I'd probably like it a bit more. Like, obviously, you want to be prepared by being able to hit, but you get there is proper scrimmages and there's the preseason games. But at the same time, like, I'd, I'd hate to get injured in the preseason yeah, before true. the season even starts. But also, like, imagine for the different positions, it might be different because as a lineman or a linebacker and running back, you're hitting people constantly. So yeah. you could... You're one hit away from being significantly injured. Oh yeah. As a receiver, D back, you might find that they're not aren't as at that many hitting contests. Yeah. So look, it's not a bad rule, uh, but someone doesn't like it. Yeah. Roy Williams does not like the no hitting policy. No. Nope. Uh, he's very upset about it. He's actually moved this year from number thirty one to thirty eight, uh, and last year he was called soft. So, so he was supposedly like media and stuff mentioned that he was soft and he wasn't making big hits anymore. Now one of the coaches makes a mention that. I can't believe the media could call a bloke that had a hundred tackles in a year soft. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit silly, isn't it? Yeah, like he was awesome yeah. in two thousand and seven. Um, but you know whether he's soft or not, it doesn't really matter. So he's coming out trying to make a name for himself. Not he's already got a name for himself. He's trying to actually set the tone. I should probably say, as he mentions to the coach. So he mentions about it multiple times. He doesn't like the no hitting policy. After Roy Williams had his has his little bit of a, a sook. We get the focus again on Martellus Bennett. I think he's hilarious. Now, one of the things that I'll mention throughout the entire episode is that John Garrett, so Jason Garrett's brother, who's the tight end coach, loves him a little bit too much. He's not. It's not just the episode, like the whole series. Like the whole yeah. series, he is obsessed with Martellus Bennett. That's probably he wants the best from him, but at the same time, like yeah, it's it's pretty full on. He's he follows him around, and he like it gets to the point where you can tell Martellus Bennett just wants some space from him. Yeah. But he's a coach at the end of the day. So. He, look, he is a coach. And I think that you, you get to see Martellus Bennett's actual uh, growth yep. throughout the series as well, which could be purely because of the personal touch, as I mentioned later on, of John Garrett. Yep. <laughs> but, so it's pretty funny. that after So John Garrett basically mentions to Bennett to watch Witten as Witten has a massive highlight reel. So they, then they introduce Jason Witten, who is a long-term tight end of the Cowboys. Amazing player. We'll go through, obviously, his stats next week, which is significant. And then we get to see uh, Martellus Bennett have to stand up in front of the other players and mention his signing bonus, uh, the money guarantees, like like most of the clubs that they do. Yep. And he takes us all with good humor. He's quite a funny bloke. I really like him. Uh, then after that, we get introduced to the uh, the Zach Thomas, who's a linebacker. He's 35 years old. He was signed to a one-year, $3 million contract. Uh, they think that he's a little bit past it. But, look, I think he was really productive. I thought so, too. He he put in the work. He uh, I didn't ever see him complain about anything. He hit, like, crazy hard whenever they were doing hitting. Um, yeah, considering he's 35 for a linebacker, he, I thought he did perfectly fine. Yeah, and he also he he's, looks like a linebacker. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's a square no, no neck. No neck. Yeah. <laughs> his Trapped neck is running yeah. to his cheeks. Yeah. He's, and I actually thought he was a really good player. Yeah. And watching him, you'd feel pretty safe 
with him around you in any form <laughs> of anywhere. Yep. And then the, this, the episode ends with meeting Todd Lobar. So Todd Lobar is the wide receiver number 17. He's a free agent that was taken from the Giants practice squad. Yep. So he was on the Giants practice squad in 2007 during their championship win. Yep. And I didn't realize it was actually, if you're on the practice squad, technically you've still won a championship. Yeah. He I mean, gets a championship ring. I mean, they practice against you and stuff, you know. Yeah, I could not believe that. So this bloke who hasn't got a spot in the team, who actually this is the first time he's played football because he played basketball growing up, yep. has a championship ring. Yep. Most of the blokes here don't. <laughs> yep. No, he got he got one for you guys' win in 2007. And he was... um. It, it's in, interesting how he came into football. Like you say, he was a basketball player in college, went to some small um, college just around the corner from your your stadium, but they didn't even have a football team. Anyway, I can't can't remember how Jim Garrett, so John Garrett's dad, came across him, but he started training him one on one, and Jim Garrett, being a former coach, uh, obviously had some contacts, and he managed to get him a tryout with you guys, and then he made the practice squad, and uh, that and they dropped, they waved him at the end of the year after he got in his ring, and yep, and then he was picked, picked up, up for, for practice, a year. yeah. yeah. Uh, and I guess the one thing the coaches were saying about Todd Lobar was that he is fast. Like, he's really fast. Yep. But he has no football smarts. No. And that's how the episode ends. Yep. Which makes sense. I mean, your background in basketball, they're not anything related. No, not at all. Like, and he can catch and he can run. He's just obviously understanding a few of the other things which the coaches are concerned about. Yep. So, uh, episode two, we start off uh, with Coach Wade um, kind of going on about all the players love him. He's definitely a player's coach. Um, and he's asked, you know, how do you deal with players? And he says, uh, I don't deal with players. I work with them, which I thought was great. At the end of the day, uh, these are adults. This is their job. It's kind of like what we said about on, on the NFL podcast, whenever someone just, you hear about people not doing playbooks and stuff like that. If you're not going to do it, they're going to cut you. They don't care. This, this is your job. You have to show up and do it. So, you don't you don't have to deal with a player. You just you work you with work them. And with if them. they and if they don't, then you dr- you drop them and you get someone else to play your job because there's so many other people out there that would do that job. It's like any other business. Yep. If they're not doing the work, then you fire them. Yep. As it should be. So we then see that uh, Jerry Jones' grandkids love to hang around the practice, and um, you said we saw no hazing, but you must have forgotten that uh, one of. Jerry's grandkids gets a little bit of hazing by T.O. And T.O. tapes up his, his hands and drops him into one of the ice buckets. And I thought, that's what you do when you're T.O. and not some guy that's barely on the cusp of not making the, the team. You, you, can, you can throw the grandkids into an ice bath. I think T.O.'s allowed to. Yeah. He probably yeah. gets a free pass. He, he gets a pass. Yeah, Jerry says he's one of the top five players he's ever seen. Yep. So he gets a pass. You can yeah. throw all the kids in the, in the ice bath if you want. Um, and then we are introduced to Wade Phillips' uh, dad, Bum Phillips. Um, OA Bum Phillips. His nickname was Bum. Um, he was a head coach as well, like we hinted at. So he was at the Houston Oilers from 75 to 80, and then the New Orleans Saints from 81 to 85. Wade and, and quite a few of these people, like we said, with the Garrett brothers, oh, they're these football families. And they, like throughout the coaching staff of the whole NFL, there's lots of that sort of sort of stuff going on where, you know, your dad was a coach and you don't grow up around it and, and you come to coach. So that's where Wade kind of got his his background, helping his dad kind of coach and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
One of the things about this season was there wasn't any battles. I couldn't see any battles. No. I was so excited to look at the new battles. Nope. There's no battles this season. There's no. They've got their quarterback. Romo's their quarterback. Nobody's yeah. going to challenge Romo. Uh, Felix Jones comes in, but it's there's not. They don't make it a battle with Marion him and Barbara. all the other. Huh? No, they don't. They don't even focus on Marion Barber other than the one bit we spoke about. Um, Martellus Bennett comes in, and it's a similar situation. He's not really challenging. He's just there to learn and and be the next great tight end they have. And so mm-hmm. that's one of the key things. Is there's not there's not any key battles and even because all the spots for wide receiver and things they don't even use that as a battle either no they make that more as a battle against themselves yep so the only kind of battle we have is throughout the series they focus on the db's versus wide receivers battle so and and they especially uh focus on to versus pac-man jones um it's a good battle that one it is a good battle uh pac-man gives it as all but to always almost he always just squeaks by because he's to and he's a great player Pac-Man is a fantastic D-back, but uh, it's hard to go up against T.O. But at the end of the day, it makes both of them better. You know, it, it would definitely make Pac-Man better. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and then we get a nice motivational speak from Magic Johnson. Uh, and then this is where they mentioned that Arsenal's one hour outside of L.A. And they have celebrities all over the place. So then they quick go through all the celebrities. So Jamie Foxx is there. Michael Strahan shows up. Rob Lowe's there. Dennis Miller, the comedian, shows up and he's speaking with Jerry. He's all, and uh, you know everyone's just everyone, including the celebrities. Dennis Miller talks for ages about Felix Jones. They're all raving about Felix Jones and Jerry Jones. One thing Jerry does is, did you notice that Jerry says lots of players are the best player he's ever seen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jerry's telling Dennis Miller, I think it was who was telling him, oh, Felix Jones, he's one of the best players I've ever seen. Probably one of the best <laughs> Cowboys we've ever had. And then you know. In episode one, he said that about someone else, sort of thing. Like, <laughs> I I don't know if Jerry just loves all these people, or because they're a cowboy, they're they're automatically the best. Maybe cowboy he ever. has like 150 best players that he's ever seen. That's true. Well, you've been around the league that long; you've seen a lot of good players. True. That or he's just getting old and he's forgetting who's his favorite player. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes. I'm not um, teasing that. So with the with their accommodation, uh, rookies have to go together. Everyone else gets their own little rooms. So Felix Jones and Keon Lattimore, um, Ray Lewis's brother, they're roommates, um, and they kind of show them in their their room together. Um, and they're not really roommates because these are like apartments. Um, and they they say they kind of show that the the coaches are starting to be impressed with Keon. The coaches and Jerry, obviously, Jerry doesn't go so far as to say he's the best cowboy he's ever seen. <laughs> not but, yet. But they talk about how he's he's making a lot of good moves. He's really pushing himself and that probably has a lot to do with him wanting to be like his brother or live up to the Lewis name. Cause everyone knows he's Ray Lewis's brother. Yeah. Do you reckon that had something to do with Jerry speaking highly of him? It might very well yeah, have like whole connections thing. It could have. Yeah. Um, and then we have take Johnson. Uh, he's kind of, he's had legal troubles. He's, uh, one of several players on this team that have had, you know, a bit of legal trouble and, He's trying his hardest. He just he's just saying I'm I've, I'm trying to turn a new leaf over, and I really want to make the most of being here. At the end of the day, you know the Cowboys, one of the best teams in in the league, and you know I'm I'm kind of done with this sort of stuff, but I'm I'm focusing on being a good Cowboy sort of thing. He seems to try to take a leadership role within the defensive tackles. Yep, 
I was funny enough that Demarcus Ware didn't wasn't overly vocal. No, no, he I would have thought like being a star, he would have been. Yeah. But it seems like Tank Johnson actually took a lot more of that leadership role in the defensive tackles. Yep, and I then it was quite good. Uh, then we get more Martellus Bennett, John Garrett love connection. Uh, <laughs> the the coaches all have faith in Martellus Bennett. He was a first round draft pick, um, but they just keep saying that at the moment he's just relying on his size and strength, and that's not necessarily how you get to be the best you can be you know it's all good and well to be an athlete but at the end of the day you also have to have the football smarts because if being an athlete was all you needed then todd lobar would be yeah wide receiver number one because he's so fast but i forget a pick 61 like he, that's number 61 overall in the entire country he gets picked at yep like that's still amazing yeah he must be a, still an amazing talent to be picked that high yep uh, and then they, they show the food at camp and they just show fried chicken, bacon, all these other things. And then they immediately cut to all the players complaining about how hard it is to make weight. And I'm just like, well, why don't the players say to the organization, stop making all this shit food and just make us eat salads and stuff. Wait, they just show any salmon or anything like that. Like it was just deep fried food and donuts, donuts. They bring in Dunkin' Donuts. There's uh, cheeseburgers and all sorts of stuff. I'm like, well, if, if you've got all these players struggling to make weight. Maybe like bringing a dietitian yeah. or something. Like, well, the Pac-Man's like, I came in, I had all these donuts and cheeseburgers. It was great, <laughs> <laughs> and then I felt sick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we're introduced to someone that a lot of people would know, uh, Danny Amendola. Um, he is shows up this season, and and he's famous for you know he played with the Patriots and played really well. He he really flourished under the Patriots under Belichick, and that he's here to just. Just a chance. He needs a chance to Rookie, get Rookie, free agent, Rookie. wide receiver. Yep. He knows that, you know, it's going to be tough, and he just wants a chance. So one of the things he's trying for is punt return, as we've spoken about in the past. If you're a, you know, a low-end guy, go special teams. That's that's how most of those guys make the team. Jason Garrett, uh, he really likes Amendola. He wants to see him play a game, and he keeps saying, like, he's an athlete, um, and he's going to be a great player one day. And I just, you, you can read it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> and so Dan's note is, oh, you will, Jason. <laughs> oh, you will. <laughs> just not with the Cowboys. <laughs> no. Spoilers. But anyway. It's a profit. Yeah. Um, and everyone, and it's not just Jason that says it. Like Even even Jerry says he's a fantastic athlete. All the coaches yeah. say he's, he's a, a fantastic athlete, competitor. He works hard. He puts in the reps. and He's um, just tiny. Yep, they they just they just don't like his size. That's the biggest problem. And he even mentions, you know, uh, people don't like how short I am, but I can't really change that, so I just work on everything else. And I was like, well, Which that's fair right. enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he compares himself to Rudy. Uh, not crazy about that, anyway. You know, <laughs> whatever you compare yourself to, whoever you want to compare yourself to. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, and one of the struggles he has is, is, like I said, going up on punt returns. He wants to make it on punt returns, but he's going up against Zach Thomas, Patrick Creighton, and Pac-Man. Uh, they don't show him catching six balls. You're not going to no. be the punt returner if you can't catch six footballs at once, can you? They showed Zach Thomas, who's the gigantic the, linebacker, 35-yard yep, yep. linebacker catching balls as a punt returner. And he was killing it. He was killing it. <laughs> yeah. I could not believe it. He was, yeah, I, I was very impressed. But they yep. weren't showing Amendola in the first episodes doing any punt return, really. No. no. Uh, and then we, we meet a little bit more about Zach Thomas. So one of the things he said is being 35, um, he needs to stay limber. He has to stay in shape. So one of the things he did is he flew out his stretching coach for the three-week camp from Miami. 
and they just show him. He said, uh, I can't remember. He said something along the lines of, you know, why would I do this if I can just pay someone to do it or something like that? And I was like, okay, fair enough. You're getting three million this year, sure. Yeah, that's at the end of a career. Yeah. So probably got a few million there. Yeah. Uh, and then they immediately cut to um, they're doing a, th- a thud practice, so not full contact. And Keon Lattimore is going out, um, just bust through to the line and. Zach Thomas is right there and just lays him out, just completely <laughs> smothers him. And um, he's laughing about it, and he just goes, I had to do it because he's a rookie. That's just what you do. <laughs> and um, they actually turns out that him and Keon have a pretty good relationship, and they talk to each other all the time and stuff. And so, you know, you, you're thinking, oh, man, that's a bit rough for this guy that's probably not going to make the team. And then it turns out that he's just... You know, he's just being nice and making sure that this kid understands that, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough to make the NFL. And Keon laughs about it. Like, they interview him straight after. He goes, yeah, I got a bit of a lick today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He has no problem. He understands his role. If he's he getting hit by his brother, I'm sure he's been hit by That's what he says people. next. He says, yeah. I've been I've been hit harder than that by my brother. And I'm like, I don't doubt that. <laughs> Inside and outside of football. Um, yeah, so then we, this is when we are introduced to the fact that all three of the Garrett brothers work for the Cowboys, like we said, and then... Um, their dad, Jim, also coached in the NFL. He never was a head coach in the NFL, but um, he was a coach for a couple of years. Uh, we hilariously see that Tio that drives in between all the buildings in his Cadillac. Um, it's like a resort. So these buildings yeah. are literally 20 meters apart. Uh, one of the players, it might have been Roy Williams, I think, said that he got in the car once and they drove 20 spaces and then got out. Like he just... <laughs> And then they show um, Tio's assistant is at the camp as well. And they show that uh, she says it's just one of those things he does is he just drives everywhere because he needs to save his energy or something. Like, <laughs> fair enough. Whatever. Um, it was entertaining. And like you said, the Cadillac he was driving in wasn't an expensive one. No, it was weird. That's what I, I was wondering. So I looked it up. So this year he got a $12 million signing bonus. And this Cadillac was like a $75,000 Cadillac or something. Like he could have afforded a Ferrari or something, but he was... I, I was surprised that he was driving around in this Cadillac. I mean, it was, it was a nice Cadillac, but anyway, it didn't. <laughs> I guess we'll look into next week yeah. where his finances led yeah. to. Um, and then they kind of talk about Pac-Man and how he's really toeing the line because he's coming off that suspension. Pac-Man has had a long history up to this point with legal troubles. Um, and he's just trying to make sure that the coaches know like he's committed and he's serious and he's focused. Um, but the whole D-back, core is is struggling in this episode and they just keep pointing out that they're just they're just not clicking and they're not paying attention and they're just not happy with it and dave campo being their head coach he's just he's yelling at them a lot and stuff like that but um they're just they're just struggling a little bit um we then go on to todd lober um he's hoping to get some reps in the san diego game um, because obviously that's how you impress and, you know, doing mm. training is one thing, but you really need to show up at the preseason games. And one of the problems is you might not get put in. Yeah. That, that's what sucks. So he, especially he, if you're a fringe player, these are the only opportunities you're going to get to actually show that you can play. Yep, exactly. And then we have like five minutes of them on the train to San Diego with a Tim McGraw song about being a cowboy in the background <laughs> and they're playing dice and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, what is this? It was seriously two and a half minutes. It was the whole song of just a montage of all the people on this train. And it, yeah, it was bad. Um, <laughs> then they show some footage from the game. Um, Amendola fumbles a punt return. Uh, Felix Jones plays like a machine, plays like what he should be. Uh, Martellus Bennett really struggles. He just keeps making mis- mistakes. Um, John's not happy with him, obviously. And, you know, we needed 
Keon and Todd. They needed a chance to prove something. Neither of them don't get put in at all. Didn't get a single play the nope. whole game. Nope. Very rough. And then to cap it all off, the Cowboys lose 31 to 17. Uh, yeah. So that's the that's episode two. Cool. Probably one of the biggest things from that episode that I loved was from our quote before that we the audio file we had. At training camp, they have this lady called Mrs. Price. Yes. And she is one of the most vocal supporters I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And she basically just starts screaming at players' names randomly because she's a supporter. So we heard, obviously, how this is basically what she says. Tony Romo! So that's Tony Romo. Jason Witten! That's Jason Witten. And then, not just players. Jerry! <laughs> so- Jerry! So, this has completely derailed me when I was watching as well as yeah. even now. Um, so, so all the players, they actually like this lady. She comes yeah. to all their practices. She comes to all their games on the sideline. And her voice is, as you can tell, is very distinctive. And they all go over and give her a hug. And Sam Hurd, who's one of the receivers that's on the fringe, mentions that he gave her, uh, she gave him a massive grandmother's kiss. Very wet. Yeah, sloppy one. Yep. Sloppy. Um, but they all kind of, they all like her. She's a, she's a good egg. Yep. So, moving into episode three. So, this is basically at the end of the San Diego Chargers preseason game, obviously, where the Cowboys lost. The coaches go into um, actually evaluating it around the table. Yep. So, we start with them saying, like the coaches talking around the table. They actually have a quote saying, the guy has been a bum the whole camp, but you don't know who it is. No. So they mention a few things like that around players that you're supposed to assume that it's a certain player that didn't play well in the preseason game, but we don't really know. Yep. After this, they move into um, Brian Stewart, who's the defensive coordinator, going through a, a chat with all the defensive players. But the whole time, <laughs> they have a montage of him running topless through the desert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was him. Yeah. They never showed the face. It was all from behind yeah. and he was topless and he was running through the desert up a hill trying to make a parallel between climbing uphill to become great. And he mentions, you know, get a piece of paper, write good to great and write all the things you need to do to become great again. Yep. Um, and so, but I was mad, it's so random. They focused a lot on coaches' fitness this year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, entertaining. After this, they interviewed Jason Witten around Romo. So, needless to say, Romo and Witten have a very good relationship on the field. I don't know about off the field, but on the field, they definitely do. But Witten says that he wouldn't want to play with a different QB in the league. Like, with any other QB in the league, he thinks Romo is ready for the big time and that Romo is going to be the QB that takes him to the Super Bowl. Yep. And I thought that was really nice because if I was him, I'd be choosing Tom Brady, Drew Brees uh, at this point in time. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers might be a bit, you know, not as good back then yet. But uh, you wouldn't want to say that if you know that this episode is going to be aired the next week. And I'm sure the players, some of the players watch this. I'm sure Tony would hear that Jason said, hey, the week before, I actually don't want to play under you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pass it to number 80 instead of 82. Jason, at this point, had been in the league long enough to know. Uh, know yeah, you don't shit where you eat. No. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but still, I thought that was, it was, it was really nice, obviously, for loyalty's sake. And they do have a good relationship. Uh, so after this, the so Hard Knocks, they highlight how many cameras are around, like we mentioned before. They're also every day running a daily panel show. 
Like yep. off the side of the actual training field, there's yeah. a panel with three panelists and one of the coaches or one of the players getting interviewed every day. Yep. People having photo shoots. They had all the linemen there, like lying in different positions, standing in different positions, getting photographed. Like I mentioned, Jason Witten getting water thrown on him yep. to make him look more sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> getting photos. So there's so much more media presence than we've seen in any other season. Even back when they were at the Alamo Dome in 2002. Yep. It's just so much more media. Because probably because they're so close to um, to Hollywood, I imagine. So after this, they actually mentioned that To for this season, like this actual football season, is trying to be more of a mentor to younger wide receivers. So he's taking time during drills and then after drills, and actually taking the time to chat with the younger fellas around their game and around how to motivate themselves and how to train and what they need to do. Yeah, you get to see him do more of the coaching than the wide receiver coach. Yep. So he picks the players up straight after their route and then goes through what they did wrong in their route. He thought that's normally what the wide receiver coach is for, but I thought that was really good and a really mature highlight of T.O. because that's yep. changed a lot throughout his career. Uh, so we'll continue on with the wide receivers. So we get a highlight of number 17, Sam Hurd, who is on the brink. He's looking to do the third wide receiver role. So he's doing drills. He's vying for a starting spot. His main competitor is Miles Austin. Yep. Yeah, so Miles Austin is number 19. A lot of people who are Cowboy supporters would know Miles Austin quite well. Um, he had quite a productive um, career with the Cowboys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so then they're showing that, that he's in direct competition with him for a wide receiver spot. We thought at this point this would be a battle. Yep, that's we, what it felt like. It felt like it was about to be a battle and then you'll find it later on that it's not. But we'll go into that when we come up to it at the end of this episode. So after this, we look at Pac-Man Jones. He's transitioning from the previous defense at, at the Titans. They had ran a very man-to-man defense, Yep. which obviously as a cornerback, a man-to-man defense, you're on an island pretty much, and trying to transition to the Dallas defense was a zone-heavy defense. So he needs to play more as a team as opposed to one-on-one. Yep. So he's struggling to trans transition, but they're really hoping that he'll do okay. After they highlight Pac-Man Jones, they talk about the preparation for the preseason game against Denver. So they're going to go play against Denver. These guys have been doing two-a-day practices for, I don't know what, 13 days or 14 days in a row with another game in between that. All their legs are feeling laden and they're not really feeling like they can walk, let alone run, is what they say. They travel to Denver. They do two practice games with Denver prior to the actual preseason game. It looks like Romo's really starting to click with the offense and the offensive line. Felix Jones is playing really well. Even Lobar's starting to improve. You see him taking a few catches, reading his route trees better, reading the defense a bit better. Uh, one of the fun things was that all the players in Denver were talking about the high altitude and thin air. Yep. I didn't know this was a thing. Is this yeah, a thing? Yeah, it's a thing. It's over a mile high, Denver. It's, it's a is legit there a club thing. up there? <laughs> well, if you, everyone joins the club if they have relations if with someone else. they live in Denver. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, an, it's a legit thing that um, the air is much thinner up there and, and with the high altitude and stuff, yeah. Well, that, sounds, that sounds to me like it's a, a natural advantage. It would definitely be because it's... I, I don't know if they've done studies on it, but I'd be willing to say that with Denver training up there um, and then coming down to normal altitude, they probably have a bit of an advantage because that's what... Cyclists tend to do. They do a high altitude training and then mm-hmm. come down and they have more red blood cells and all that sort of stuff. I yeah, mean, exactly right. I reckon that's just cheating. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, they have to move it down the mountain. <laughs> yeah, they have to move games. it down yeah. the mountain. Bad luck. <laughs> Bad luck. Uh, so, the, I guess so. Which is 
interesting because they're talking about even like some of the more experienced players, they're struggling. Yep. One of the only players that they said wasn't struggling was DeMarcus Ware. Now, DeMarcus Ware is an athlete and he's an all-around all amazing football player. So they mention, they highlight him for a little bit and they introduce you to his little baby girl. Yeah, and he's he's a doting father. He's there, he's singing... Head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees yep. and toes. Literally, it's this big, mean defensive end and he just melts. It <laughs> absolutely is the biggest softy I've ever seen yeah. Oh, yeah. singing heads and shoulders, knees and toes to this little, little tiny toddler. We're not even 18 months old. So, DeMarcus Ware mentions that he actually, he and his wife lost three kids, we believe due to mis- miscarriage, yeah. and, uh, in a, inability to obviously conceive. And so they adopted this baby girl. And he just seems like a doting father. Like oh, he yeah. can't wait to go back home to spend time with them. Yep. You know, which is beautiful to see. After after the DeMarcus Ware singing head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, Brian Stewart, the defensive coordinator, has a huge crack at the defense after a basic scrimmage where he, I reckon he just lost his nut. He just basically yeah. yelled random statements that didn't make much sense. You know, oh. if you're tired, I'm tired. If we're both tired, we're gone. I'm he, like, what does would, that mean? <laughs> he would have been saying red then. That's it yeah. was classic, like just lost in anger, like, lost. Oh yeah, Li- and literally just yelling random things that yep. didn't really mean much. No, no. <laughs> which was yeah, uh, interesting. One of the things that I didn't mention before was that there's a theme throughout these last few episodes with all the wide receivers and the cornerbacks doing push-ups. Yep. Yeah. So after every drop, they have to do fifty push-ups. After every mental mistake, they do 25 push-ups. You see Tio get up saying, oh, 150 push-ups. Don't want to do that again. 150 <laughs> push-ups. Whilst they've done a whole day of practice. Yeah. And that's just one set of training. And they later on, not I think it's episode four, they talk about the actual weight room and stuff. So on top of that, you know, as we know, they're doing weight training as well. Yeah. yeah that's a lot of push-ups. Like, yep. I could do like 11. Yeah. We used to have like five or 10 Sometimes. Yeah, five. I think we yeah. used to try to do yeah. when, when you when you did like a penalty or you're offside. Yeah, or... offside was always ten, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which still then that used to add up. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it adds up doing it once. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a little while. Uh, then after this, after obviously Brian Stewart has a hissy fit. Uh, they have a second scrimmage against Denver where Roy Williams is really upset that we're not supposed to be physical. They say that's all thud. A fight breaks out. Someone uses a helmet as a weapon. Yep, uh, and but. It wasn't really highlighted. No, they kind just, of just, went, just eh, okay, okay, it's getting heated. Let's just move on. Yeah. Whereas I feel that it should have had probably a bit more information. Yeah. Okay. Right. The game comes up against Denver, up in the altitude. Yep. So yeah, what they mention is that the starters really struggled. Yeah. Yes. The starting offense oh, yeah. struggled. The starting defense struggled. Felix Jones is the only person that really looked great. Yep. Miles Austin, so number nineteen, the wide receiver who's vying for the third spot with Sam Hurd. He has an amazing uh, jump ball on double coverage in the end zone. Oh, yeah. It was and every, It was really awesome. He, he took heaps of catches that game. He looked yep. as awesome as he is, obviously, in the following years. Yep. However, he got injured. He got a grade three um, medial cruciate ligament sprain, which is a four to six week injury. Yep. So he's out. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, there's two, two or three receivers who are now injured. And it kind of gives us a chance now for some of the other guys to come up. So during that game... Pac-Man has in the middle of the game, he misses an interception. Yep. In the middle of the field, he gets down and does 50 <laughs> push-ups in the middle of the field. And, all the, <laughs> and the commentators are all having a laugh. Yep. But, you know, rules are rule. And, and he should have had that. That was it. He jumped the, he jumped the route. And correct. And the ball was in his hands. 
And like he said earlier in the episode, or in episode two, he's doing everything he can to prove that he's turned over a new leaf, and that was a great thing. I'm sure they don't say it, but I'm sure the coaches loved that. Oh, 100 percent. And also, I'm showing he's more of a team player and going yeah. through team rules and things like that. It's a very, a very good thing. He should have caught the ball though. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> There's uh, a reason he did 50 push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> if I did 50 push-ups, it'd be over five days. Um, so then, obviously, after this, they went through more, some more John Garrett man love for Bennett. Oh yeah. So literally, Bennett does something good on the field, and he gets Bennett on the phone. So he's up in the coach's box, and he basically says, "Great turning up field, Martellus. Great job. Keep doing. You're awesome." And hangs up, and Bennett's looking around like, "Thanks. Like, <laughs> I, I did. I did what I was asked to do." Yeah. I just thought it was really awkward. Now, this game looks like in the fourth quarter, there's going to be one of like if the rookies do the fourth quarter. Looks like the rookies are going to make the march down the field and actually get a touchdown. Yep. So at this point, there's like 10 seconds to go. The QB throws a pick right on Danny Amendola's man and they end up losing 20 to 13. Yep. What they highlight is that Danny Amendola was meant to have turned outwards where the QB threw. Yep. Whereas he turned inwards instead and they threw it directly to his defensive yeah. back. Yep. So so they blame this on Danny Amendola, which is obviously not a great thing because we're all rooting for him. Yep. As the little pocket rocket. And then the episode ends basically at Danny Amendola being really upset and the team just all really morose during in the um, locker room. Yep. So if you're following at home, that's now two preseason losses. Two. Um Episode four starts with the game evaluation, obviously, of what happened in um, Denver, and basically Wade Phillips just takes res- complete responsibility for it. He he says, you know, we made mistakes, and that's on me, the coach. Like, okay, I, I don't I don't think that you, you're the reason, but anyway, you know, yeah, it's like, well, oh, cool, I don't have to practice anymore. Then. Yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> no push-ups for me, and and that's probably part of the reason why you know he's definitely a player's coach. You know, takes the blame, even though he probably shouldn't have taken the blame for that one. Hmm. Uh, they're back in Dallas now. Uh, they left Oxnard, and so they're back in Dallas practicing at uh, was the um, the Texas Stadium. Texas Stadium, sorry. Um, and they highlight the fact that these basic non-pads practices get twenty-five thousand fans at them, like crazy. So it's like a, when they were at the Aladome, they were yeah. getting tons as well. Um, and then uh, Roma's dad visits uh, Ramiro Romo, and he what visits, a cool name, right? Uh, he visits the uh, facility and um, he's kind of watching them all and all the coaches know him and I get the impression he visits a lot. You know what I thought though? I don't, if you're the starting quarterback, it must be a different thing because not every player's dad's going to come to train. Like that would get, there'd be too many people on the sidelines. Yeah. So I thought, well, that's what happens when you're the starting QB. You can, you can bring your dad in during training. Like, Did you say you mentioned when Parcel was the coach? Yeah. He, he wouldn't, wasn't allowed past the gate. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Um, and then T.O. is talking to everyone about learning from Jerry Rice. And he's kind of saying, you know, I learned from Jerry Rice, the greatest wide receiver to ever play. I'm second to him, and I'm hoping to pass him. But, you know, I want to kind of, this is him kind of saying again, like he did last episode, I want to help you guys make it happen. Yeah. Like, just like Jerry helped me, I want to help you now sort of thing and it does um, show that he's trying to be a mentor to the younger fellas as yep. well which is yeah I've, I've gained a lot of respect watching him in this point as yep. well um and then we kind of have you know five minute sort of montage sort of thing while we they're just looking at the depth charts you know they're just they've got the big board and they've got the magnets out and they're just all looking at it where's people gonna go who's where and all that sort of stuff and 
And um, they're doing a, a round table about all the different fringe players because obviously at this point they'd still be at I think seventy three they still were at this point so yeah they still they still had to get rid of twenty guys so obviously it's very important to say who who who's on the fringe and what do we need to do to make them not on the fringe sort of thing. But it looks like the coach actually asks them specifically about the players, and then we only hear the answers. We don't actually hear the question or who it's about. No. So they'll say like, oh, so do you think that he has a possibility of starting? And they'll go. Look, not this year probably, but he's definitely developing. So you have no idea who they're talking about, yep. but it makes it a very ominous feeling. Yep. Um, and then we we go and uh, Jerry gives us a nice long spiel about AT and T Stadium, and it's it is a very nice stadium, and just showing how big it is, and he's talking about how you know the different ring the the design of it, a quarter mile from end to end, and all this sort of stuff, and they're taking it through and. They're touring the locker room and all the latest electronics at the time will be um, put in. Like the the supervisor is basically saying like if they want to have a home office in their locker, they could do that sort of thing. Like that's how much electronic stuff will be put in each locker sort of thing. And um, yeah, it's just a fantastic looking stadium. It's an amazing stadium. And he's just going, when you're the Dallas Cowboys and you can get as much credit as I can, you're going to go out and build the best stadium you possibly can. And I thought, well, that's completely true. If you're because when you when you Texas, you yep. do it right. You do it. You do it big, and you do it right. That's what he said. Yep. yep. Um, it's massive. Yeah, it's a great stadium. Yeah. Um, and then we we go back and we meet your mate's beautiful dog. Oh, you love that dog because you you've written that he distracted me because it's such a cute dog. Sits, lies down, roll over, loves belly rubs like that's most dogs, mate. <laughs> He was a cute dog, but all that, like, your dogs sit and lie down, right? They do. They don't roll over. No, I can't get mine to roll over either. Um, and then, of course, John Garrett, man, he loves him. And uh, you've written, I wouldn't be surprised if he joined him in the showers. I wouldn't either. because He loves him. Literally, he's hand on the arm constantly, just like all that physical touch. Yeah. And he just... I think he, that he's going to try to mentor him outside of this anyway. He just loves him to death. He makes him sit right next to him. Like, if it was a bench seat, they'd be touching hip to hip during the tape. Like, they're, he's everyone else is, like, on the sides. And he goes, oh, Martellus, you're, you're right there next to me. You have the best seat in the house in front of everyone else. You're like, okay, whatever. He did it every meeting. <laughs> yeah. Every meeting, he, like, grabbed him and sat him down. <laughs> And then we, we see uh, Patrick Creighton. He comes into a meeting in a towel. Like, he just comes straight from the showers to the meeting. Like, sits down in the towel. Like, I'm, I'm here. I, I, I've got to be here. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, sorry I'm late. <laughs> you can see that I'm in a towel. <laughs> yep. Uh, we're introduced to uh, Bobby Carpenter, the linebacker. Um, and he's he's struggling. struggling. Um, he's struggling with the physicality. The O-line is just eating him alive. And they call him Barbie Carpenter. <laughs> and uh, they just show him just getting just getting pushed around by the O line, and they're they're going, oh, he did that, he did that shit again, and then another O lineman's like, oh, we'll just give it to him in the chin and stuff, and then and they show they show Barbie going, oh, it's just friendly banter, and then they show I think the guard or something like that just just demolish him, and then as he's getting up, he goes, that's right, you punk ass bitch. I'm like, yeah, sounds like <laughs> <It's> banter. <laughs> just banter. <laughs> it's all fun and games. Yeah, I'm like, okay. So they show like he's a big boy though, Bobby Carpenter. Yeah, like, he's an absolute muscle bound bloke. Like he needs to bring a lot more physicality to the yeah, game. Yeah, no, he was really struggling considering his size. He's not um, Zach Thomas big, 
but in a couple of years, he definitely would be. And he's he is a big boy. He's probably taller than Zach Thomas too. He yeah, looks true. a bit taller. But Jerry mentioned that he's more of a finesse linebacker, so yep. they, were, they weren't expecting as much full frontal um, physicality. Whereas yep. looking at his body, looking at the way he actually tries to play, we'd expect a lot more physicality from him, even on special teams. Yep. So I was concerned that he, I was like, at this point, I'm there going, "Oh, poor Bobby's going to get cut." Yep. Then we're introduced to Greg Ellis, who uh, he had an Achilles injury. Those are terrible Achilles injuries. They're very tough to come back from. Um, and he came back last year and he made the Pro Bowl. Like, just came back and just killed it, knocked it out of the park. Um, his replacement, Spencer, uh, thinks that Ellis is going to take his spot. Or, no, sorry. Ellis thinks that Spencer is going to take his spot. And um, unfortunately, as we've seen so much, uh, Spencer gets injured. And so, obviously, Ellis doesn't need to worry about yeah losing his spot anymore. But um, Greg Ellis was the bloke standing next to him, like, walking him through his injury and, like, yeah. educating him around what he needs to do to get better. So, he because he obviously knows about injuries because Achilles injuries are horrendous. Yep. But, yeah, an old dude like Greg Ellis coming back from injury, from severe injury, making the Pro Bowl. Like, good on He seems like a really nice fellow, this guy. Yeah, he did seem, did seem really nice. Um, so then now they're talking about Roy Williams and about how um, they're going to start kind of phasing him out of the defense. And um, what they're going to do is he's going to be a one and two down um, safety. And they kind of, Jerry goes, does he, does he know this? And they go, yep, no, he understands his role. And, and he's been in the league long enough that he would totally understand that he's getting towards the end of his career. And, you know, if you want to stay on the team, then you have to do what the team wants you to do. And if they want you only on first and second down, then, just do first and second down. At the end of the day, you might get an extra year out of it because you're not going to be taking as many hits. Yeah, he, he mentions that in the next episode too. Yep. Um, then we're introduced, the, well, not introduced, but we, we find out that Gene Upshaw dies of pancreatic uh, cancer. So he was the uh, NFL Players Association president. He was a former player. Um, he died of pancreatic cancer. Um, I had a quick look at him. Um, did you know, so he died, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer on August 17th and he died on August 20th. Three days later. Yep. So he was feeling Holy ill crap. on the 17th and his wife took him to hospital. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and three days later he died. That is nuts. I know. So that's obviously scary. I would assume he'd been pushing through a bit of pain before that, but yeah, that's crazy. God. Yep. Uh, and and I all just, the, a lot of the players were really shocked. Yeah, um, well. for the for the first game of the season that year, um, the league had everyone wear a little GU badge because he was so bad. He'd been the players' association president for ages at that point. There, this is the coaches and the players themselves all saying about Amendola that he's being too short. He's not being too. He is too short, and that he's he he's probably not going to make the team. He himself says that. Uh, other players are saying about him, and the coaches are saying that about him. And you know, he he's accepted that. And this is this is where he does say, you know, it's the only thing I can't fix, so I'll work on everything else. You see his workout routine; he he works out big. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and then we have the polar opposite: our man Felix Jones. Man, everybody loves Felix Jones. They just rave about. Him. He's the greatest cowboy to ever played. You know that, according <laughs> to Jerry Jones, probably the greatest greatest cowboy you've ever had. Um, they love him. Um. And then he looks great. <laughs> he, he looks fantastic. He's so fast. He's so good. He does everything right. And then, in true hard knocks fashion, they pan to a bunch of cows. <laughs> and they're talking about how in Texas, cows are something, something. And it's like two minutes of a, an auction a of cow cows. Auction. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay. Anyway. Um, 
had nothing to do with football. No. Had nothing to do with the club at no. all. Uh, we then have the preseason game at home against the Houston Texans. This is always an important game. They definitely don't want to lose to the Texans being... Um, it's a derby. Yep. They're, they're an hour's drive apart sort of thing. So uh, Jessica Simpson, at this point, they were dating. She was dating Tony Romo. She, she's there. This is peak Jessica Simpson. Um... During the game, the O puts together a couple good series. The D plays well. Uh, Amendola gets a chance. Uh, Bennett, he plays really well. And we see the same thing with Barbie Carpenter just not being physical enough. And so I'm sure you were sitting there going, man, he's, he's gone. He's I sure literally gone. thought he was yeah. going to be cut. Yep. Uh, so they win by one point, 22 to 23, after Texas misses, um, the Texans miss a two point conversion. So it's not like it was a win where, you know, we blown out the other team. Like it was very close and it came down to one play. But um you've written down a note which I think is very important. So John Garrett is the as we've mentioned, he's the tight end coach. But at this point in the series, he might as well just be Martellus Bennett's personal coach. That's personal all coach. we ever see him doing is coaching him. Yeah. We have the players meetings post game and the coaches have a meeting and they're just not really impressed with Lober. Um he's just not making the strides that they would expect. Um, the, and they're well aware of his status as basically never playing football and being a basketball star, but, and they're giving him every chance, but even then, he's still just not quite getting it, not quite. Yeah, he's he, he saw in that game that he actually ran into Amendola a couple of times. Yep. So, like, he instead of him doing his route, he went past the cornerback and tried to get into space, where he needed to do a stopping route, which is just to turn around and have his cornerback bite on him so Amendola could come in behind him. Yep. So the little things like that, which he doesn't obviously just under, doesn't understand. Yep. And uh, we end the episode with the first set of cuts. So if you remember from 2002, we mentioned Bruce Mays. Uh, he was the Turk. He is still the Turk. He's still with the organization. And I didn't actually look it up. He might still be there. We'll, we'll cover it next week. I'll look yeah. into Bruce's career. He's just older. Yeah, he does. He does look considerably older. Um, and... A wide receiver, Daniel Polk, is cut. We didn't see anything about him, but the narrator makes out like, oh, my God, that he's been cut. He's one of the main players sort of thing. You're like, what? And then he gets cut. You're like, we never met him. No, I didn't even <laughs> know who he was. Like, yeah, You never like, saw him oh, once. One of the most important players is about to be cut. <laughs> it's like, maybe not. <laughs> so that's uh, episode four. Yeah. So after this, we go into the last episode. At this point, there's still 75 players. Yep. Yeah, so having to get down to 53. So that's 22 cuts still to be made, and we have a whole lot of fringe players that we've met. So the episode starts with Wade Russell telling everyone, don't be ashamed for not making the Dallas Cowboys because yep. it's hard to make the Dallas Cowboys. We have an amazing set of players here, and it doesn't mean anything against you. And everyone here has helped everyone else get better. Yep. So he, ma he makes everybody here, especially the players who are going to be playing, thank the rest of the blokes here because they've made them better. I thought that was really nice. Yep. They highlight at the start of the episode that there are heaps of wide receiver injuries because there was another injury at the end of, I think, of the last game of another one of the receivers who was going to be number three, maybe. Yep. So and then all of a sudden they've had, what, uh, Scandrick, whatever his name was, injured. They've had Miles Austin injured. They've had Sam Hurd injured. So there's so many of their wide receivers who are injured, which gives us an opportunity, obviously, looking for Todd Loba. Might get a sneaky in. Maybe. Yeah, or Amendola. Yep. Yeah, because of all the injuries, they interview Amendola 
as the fringe player. And they're like, okay, so what do you reckon of your chances? And he mentions the same thing. He goes, look, I'm trying to be dynamic. I'm trying to be, uh, you know, utility to the team. I'm just going to try my best. He's got good football smarts, which is really helpful. They go into more detail around Pac-Man Jones. So he's still waiting. This is episode five. He's still waiting to hear from Roger Goodall whether he's reinstated or not. Yep. Yeah, so this at episode five, we're now, what, eight days away from yeah. the first kickoff from the first game of the season? Yep. Ten days, maybe? Yeah. And he still doesn't know whether he's actually going to be allowed to play or not. So it's, I imagine it's pretty stressful for him. I'm sure it was, yeah. Yeah, so they interview Jerry, they interview the coach, they're all about those people waiting for this notification from Roger Goodall, which hasn't come yet. We go back into, once again, DeMarcus Ware singing heads, knees and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes uh, to his daughter via um, the computer, Yep, which is very cute. We move on to Romo gets interviewed, Tony Romo, and his aspirations for the Super Bowl and that obviously he thinks that the team have where, what, it, what it makes to get there and they're going to make a better step from last year. Don't forget, last year they were 13-3 yep. and made the divisional playoff. So next step would be Super Bowl, really. Yep. So he's really excited about that. Um, I think at this point, a lot of the tempers are fraying. Yeah. Yeah. They go through Pac-Man, Jones, and Tank Johnson. They sit next to each other in the, in the locker room. So Tank Johnson's getting interviewed, and Pac-Man Jones keeps saying things during the interview just loudly and interrupts him. And so they have, they have a bit of a, a passive-aggressive Barney. Yep. And where they start you know, putting a line in the middle of their locker, you know, whatever's said over here, you can't join in over there. And this, it feels like... Tempers are fraying, which kind of happens leading up to the start of the season because people are sick of hitting the same blokes. They're sick of the two-a-day practices. They just want to get the real thing over with. After Tank and Pac-Man have this little Barney, uh, they go through Tank's skills and his development and how he's improved over camp and how they're really looking forward to him being the mature player that he's destined to be and he's going to be the leader of the defensive tackles they show some highlights from some of the previous games and he does do well like there's one there's one point where he gets the, the center tries to cut him yep he jumps over the center about two and a half meters and makes a tackle on the backfield on the running back and as a defensive tackle that's really impressive uh, i was yeah i had a bit of man love at that point speaking of man love yes great segue martellus bennett again so john garrett Loves him, basically. I'm just going to put it out there. He loves him. Yep. And the narrator says that, you know, Martellus Bennett has progressed so and developed so much in these five episodes that he thinks it's due to John Garrett's close personal touch. Yep. Now, is that a euphemism? (laughs) (laughs) And also, also they they interview Martellus Bennett and they ask about John Garrett and his coaching. And he says, oh, look, you know, he's always on my back. He's always asking me things. He's always doing things with me. But I really appreciate it because... I know that I need to work and I need to do my things to be a starter in this team. Yep. So I thought, you know, that's actually quite good. They probably realised over the past four episodes that John Garrett may be a stalker. Could be. And they thought they'd address it, but uh, Bennett just laughs it off and he says that he's actually really happy with it. After this, they go to Lattimore. So Keon Lattimore is another of the fringe players, as we've mentioned. He talks a lot about his history with his brother and that how, oh, you know, my brother would do this and, oh, you know, grew up playing football in the backyard with my brother. So they really put that Ray Lewis emphasis on this are kind of leading up to the whether he's going to be cut or not. Yep. And then funny enough, Pac-Man Jones gets a phone call and he's reinstated. Yes. Everyone's excited. So the board are excited. He's excited. You get to see his posse and they're really excited for him. Uh, and then obviously he has a press conference where he says that, you know, I had the behavior that I exhibited wasn't appropriate, wasn't acceptable as an NFL footballer. 
and I'm going to try everything in my power to get better. And I thought that was good. Quite yep. mature. The letter he wrote was quite mature as well. Emmett Smith then comes to visit. Emmett Smith, who obviously people who have listened to previous episodes, is the man. He's the running back, Hall of Famer. He comes in. He has a few words with the new Felix, new running back, Felix Jones. Yep. Yeah, gives him a bit of a few pointers. He goes and teases Romo a bit, saying that Romo can pay for the next check at lunch uh, because he's still getting paid. Yep. And Romo laughs and he says, man, you got so much money. I've, I've, <laughs> never, I've never held out at training camp. <laughs> Emmett Smith laughs. He goes, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, so it was really good to see him come back as well. They then, it's a quick, pretty quick at this point because there's still obviously some large cuts to make later on. They move straight into their preseason game against the Vikings. Your yep. Vikings. My Vikings. Yeah. So Sam Hurd, the wide receiver, he gets injured. They're looking at him playing the first quarter. He goes, he does really well in that first quarter. He gets yep. probably seven seven receptions, pretty good catches, and then he has a I think a, a sweep around route where he yep. takes the ball from around the quarterback and he runs it down the field for looked like at 30, 40 yards, and then he got tackled, and as he got tackled, he hurt his ankle, a high ankle sprain, so he is out. Yep. Blowbar then gets his chance. Blowbar did a couple of things. He did okay. He missed a couple of routes. Yeah. But he didn't do anything specifically bad, but it looks like he didn't do anything specifically good. Yeah. Uh, whereas on the other side of it, Felix Jones dominating. Yeah, he just, just killed just it this, this preseason. Absolute beast. Yeah. <laughs> then Lattimore gets his chance in the last quarter. I reckon he has a, a few good runs. Yep. He makes some very, very decent runs, some really nice reads in and out of holes. However, they were first, they were third and long. And he actually made, what, 13 or 14 yards. However, he stepped out of bounds just before the first down marker. Yeah, like so half close. Yard. Half yard tops. Like if, if, if anyone doesn't know about it, basically, if you're half a yard away from the marker, you're basically giving the other team the ball the next play. Yeah. So put your head down and try to make that freaking half a yard. Yeah. Basically. So the whole coaches were yelling at him. All the players wouldn't look at him. Basically, not a great, not a great show for someone's on the fringe. Bennett, once again, did well. Amendola, I thought, played really well. Yep. Yeah, I thought Amendola played really well. He got multiple catches this game. He actually got a couple of punt returns as well. One of them, I thought, was nearly going. Yeah. Yeah, he took... Yep. One of them was... He got hit just. Yeah, I thought he was going to get that. So, they win 16-10. Yep. Yeah, final preseason game. They win 16-10, and then they move into cut day. Now, get this. The rule of cut day is if a player makes it into the training facility, they make the team. Yep, I would have slept at the training facility the night before. Yeah, exactly right. Trick them, <laughs> trick sleep in your door. Yeah. 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 Joke's on you, coaches. <laughs> <laughs> Rule's a rule. <laughs> Cut someone else. <laughs> yeah. So, um, look, I thought that's... It's good and brutal. Yeah. It's good because you know straight away... There's no mincing words. There's no walking and sitting in your locker waiting to see whether the Turk's going to come get you. Yep. They get you at the front door. Yep. Yeah, so you get to watch Keon Lattimore. He was met at the front door and he walked past the bloke and he goes, well, wait, Keon, wait, wait, wait. Yep. So Keon thought he'd made it because he'd walked past the dude at the front door. I bet he's he let out a sigh of relief and then he hears his name. Yeah, it would have been an unclenching and clenching yep. for sure. Uh, so he got brought in to see the coach and he got cut. Unfortunately, look, they said there's good things about him, you know, and look, the, there were good things about him. Yeah, definitely. As well. Yeah. And then he got cut. They move on to Todd Lobar being the last bloke to arrive. Yeah, the last bloke to arrive at, camp, at, at training that day. And he was met at the door. And unfortunately, he was cut. Yep. The coach says some really nice things about him in the cutting interview. Yep. But maybe he doesn't realize that Todd Lobar can go back and watch this. 
because after Todd leaves, he mentions that he just had no football smarts. He has no yeah. chance to make the team. Like it, literally, it was like black and white. Yep. The two different statements that he was making. Uh, so from our two main cuts from the two blokes that we've actually got to know, Wade Phillips then speaks to the 61 players that are left. And he says, now guys, the 61 players, we still need to waive eight guys. At this point, let's not forget, Danny Amendola is still on the team. Yep. Yeah? He's still on the team and so is our man Barbie Carpenter. Yep. So Jerry Jones basically says that this is the hardest part of camp. Uh, it's the best part of camp as well because we're getting close to the season. And it's all, everyone's a little bit excited. They move straight into Jerry Jones' son. Is it Stephen Jones? Uh, yeah, Stephen and then Jerry Jones Jr. But it was Stephen that they move on to, yeah. Yeah, Stephen Jones is the, the guy who the, the negotiates a lot of the contracts. Yeah, that's definitely Stephen. So you get to see him actually speaking to a manager on the side from somewhere. And after that, they move on to Wade Phillips at training saying, okay, guys, the next eight players need to come and chat to me. And one of the eight players was Danny Amendola. Yep. We go, oh, no, he's cut. <laughs> I was devastated because I love Danny Amendola. So we find out that he's actually been signed onto the practice squad. Yep. So practice squad being that if anyone gets injured, he can get picked up from the practice squad and activated in the active roster. Jerry Jones even brings him in for a chat. So he wasn't even cut. He was put to the practice squad. Jerry Jones then brings him in for a chat. It was really personal. It was a really nice feel saying how much he really respects Danny. He thinks he's going to be a great player, which once again, he was right. Yep. Uh, then they cut back to Stephen Jones, so Jerry's son. And they're saying that Philly are trying to get Danny Amendola on their practice squad because they really want him. Yep. Because of that, they offered him a place on the practice squad immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they didn't want him, but they didn't want someone else to have him. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, yeah. But what I thought was amazing was that Danny Amendola was offered more money by these other teams to be on their practice squads. Yep. You know, they're not playing. Like, you no. may as well take the money where it is, I would have thought. Yeah, and they're, they make six figures, but it's like low. It's like 200000 or something like that. So yeah. an extra thirteen, forty thousand, whatever, is a big deal at that price. A, yeah, I think yeah. it's a big deal because you might oh, not definitely. get signed no. at all. No, I'd take the money as well. Bloody earth. But you hear Danny Amendola actually says, he goes, oh, I chose to stay with the Cowboys because of the way they've treated me and the way the coaches have been really real with me and Jerry's told me exactly where I stand. So the respect and the way that they run their, run their actual brand is... Obviously, it's paid off for them. Yep, definitely. Yeah, so he gets to go into the practice squad. So this, all the cuts are done. All the cuts are done. We're looking at this. This whole season's winding down. Tio has a house party. Yep. As you rock into the house party, <laughs> everyone has to take off their shoes and they put on the little hospital booties <laughs> or brand new socks that he provided everybody and they have to then go through the party with their socks on. Yep. Um, you've got to see there's a whole bunch of clocks on the wall and he's doing the DJing himself. So he's DJ 81, uh, which look was a nice way to end the season. And then they, they move next door. So Tio lives next door to Marion Barber. Marion Barber has a grand piano sitting in the middle of the room. It's all quiet and he's actually playing piano himself. Yep. So this is one of the, like a football star and he's not at the party next door with the Hall of Famers and the best players of the team. Yep. He's next door in his own solitude playing piano to himself. Yep. Which I thought was amazing. Got to do what you got to do. Got to do what outside. you got to do. Like we saw Larry Johnson was painting. Painting. You know, everyone's got one of their little things that yep. they like to do. The season ends with going through the main players, having final preparations for the season and talking about the excitement of moving to the actual season as opposed to training. Yep. So that's the end of the Hard Knocks season. Yes. 
That's uh, the 2008 Dallas Cowboys hard knock season. How did the Dallas Cowboys go in 2008 then? Uh, they went 9-7, and seven, and they did not qualify for the playoffs that year, unfortunately, which is a big letdown because at the start, Jerry said anything less than the playoffs is, a, is, is no good. Yeah. So you go 13-3, and three and you pretty much have a lot of the same team, and you go 9-7. and seven. That's not great. Not great at all. No, but look still, look at 9-7. and seven. They had, what, 13-3. Uh, and three. For a coach, that's a pretty good record, really. It's, it's still It's a positive it's still winning fine. record. It's a winning record. Yeah. They just didn't make the postseason because the NFC East at that point in time was actually quite hard. Yep. Definitely. And, and you know, 9-7 and seven normally would probably get you into the wild card game, but this year it just didn't, and that's just the case sometimes. Like, some of these divisions, they play real well, but you, if everyone else in the division is going 13-3, and three, then you're not going to make it make at 9-7. Yeah. So that's sad. Yep. But look, the storylines that we're going to go through next week, there's a few obvious ones there. Look, Terrell Owens, the Hall of Famer, we'll be going through his some of his history and his career stats. Yep. Uh, we'll have a look at Jason Witten, who's... Yep. In my mind, the best tight end, uh, basic of the re- of our recent history, Demarcus Ware, the defensive end, who's he's had a long, um, productive career as well. We're going through Tony Romo, obviously, yep. Tony Romo being the QB, Felix Jones, looking to see how that rookie running back fared throughout his career. Yep. Danny Amendola, where is he now? Did the Wonder Kid actually get somewhere in the where end? Did where did he go? What happened? I did wonder. He, you know, did he maybe wear lifts in his <laughs> shoes and get a gig somewhere? You never know. Martellus Bennett, yep. how's the love story? Did John Garrett move? Did they move in together? Yep. You know, did the dog learn new tricks? We'll go through Adam Pacman Jones, obviously. Seeing, did he stay out of trouble? Did he stay out of trouble? What is he up to? What is he up to? Because that obviously could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> Tank Johnson, how did his career go now that he's tried to he's set his uh, set his path straighter? Yep. Then we go through the coaches: Wade Phillips, Dave Camper, Jason Garrett, and Brian Stewart. Yep. That's so uh, that is for next week, folks. Yes. Um, anything, any housekeeping you can think of? No, no housekeeping nope. at this point. Obviously, can, we mentioned everything from before. So yep. you can you can follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. But what are you gonna tell them, DJ? Get hard, stay hard, my friends.